You're just gonna stay angry at God for the rest of your Whether it's popular or not, we're seeking out what pleases the Lord. All right, friends, we are back this week with a brand new guest. Thank you for joining me. This is my friend Amy, who I've known oh, for a couple of years now. So welcome. Thank you so much. Um, and thanks for I feel like you and I have been talking about this for a really long time. Like when I first had the idea for the podcast, you're like, I've got some stuff to say, like, let me on. <laughs> <laughs> and so we had kind of tossed around the idea of doing like a purity culture um, segment. So I'm really excited mm -hmm. that we're able to do this now. So talk to us because you did not grow up in the UPC. You didn't grow up in, in that sort of environment. So what kind of organization were you a part of? I didn't. Um, and that for a moment there, that kind of like caused me to hesitate. You know, I don't want to just interject my voice into someone else's journey, but I do feel like the era that we kind of grew up in, um, purity culture sort of transcended all the different denominations and affected such a huge, huge portion of our generation. Um, so that's why, you know, and then you and I talked about it quite a bit. So I felt quite comfortable about, you know, kind of diving into that. Um, I grew up in kind of the Southern Baptist era. So I, there's a lot of things that, you know, you talk about and that you post about that I resonate with. Um, a lot of the, <laughs> sorry, if it seems like I'm, I'm out of breath. Um, I'm seven months pregnant, so <laughs> just, been there. Like, no, you don't have to yeah. apologize. Like when there's <laughs> a whole person in your body, there's no, there's no time to breathe <laughs> for sure. Um, but yeah, so I, uh, I, I grew up in the, the whole Southern Baptist thing. It was very much promoted purity culture, saving yourself, did the whole, you know, rose thing where. You pass the rose around and that gets damaged and I can go into a million different stories. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of my background in that situation. Okay. And did you take everything that they said to heart? Like, were you one of the very devoted, dedicated ones to the movement? Oh yeah. No, a hundred percent. I, from the age of 13 until I got married um, and I got married at like 26, I had a boyfriend at some point like I've very I spent very little time single um <laughs> the biggest gap I had was right before I met my husband and I was just you know that was the conversation and most of the people that I dated um at least to start were also doing their best <laughs> to follow the same guidelines or at least you know that was that was the the party line um so it wasn't a huge deal but i, I very rarely dated outside or got involved with anybody outside of my general circle. So it wasn't an issue to start. <laughs> when was it an issue? Um, I think when it started becoming an issue is when I started to, you know, become romantically involved just on a dating level with people who didn't grow up the way that I did. Um, whether that was just like you know, just talking. <laughs> I did get air quotes <laughs> just now. Um, or, you know, starting to want to consider a relationship. Like it was a huge 
conversation piece and it was or or it wasn't a conversation at all and people would just stop because they knew that that was kind of the precursor to my relationship to a relationship with me and they weren't even going to try because they knew it either wasn't for them or it was something they couldn't do so and that was <laughs> in a couple different instances it was kind of sad but at the same time you know I it it was all part of the journey that got me where I am today so I don't regret all of it but there are definitely definite parts that I do yeah and so when you know you're in the southern baptist movement purity culture Mm -hmm. don't do all the things um Mm -hmm. was your family pretty supportive of you during this time they were um my family like I, i started going to church when i was two weeks old um we went to the same church until i went off to college um halfway across the country and they were always there, but my parents were not like super active, super, you know, self-promoting or anything like that in the church. Um, they were just supportive of, of us and, you know, kept the rules and like we go to church because that's what we do. Um, but more so the environment that I was in, you know, being in youth group, I was the one that like pushed for this. Like all my friends were getting purity rings, you know, yeah. we were like 13, 14 and I told my parents I really wanted one. And so <laughs> this is my favorite story. And they neither of my parents remember this, which makes it so much better. <laughs> but we were at Maggiano's down on like, I don't know, St. Pete somewhere. Um, and we were there with my mom, my dad, my sisters, who are six years younger than me. They're twins. And then my boyfriend at the time is my first boyfriend. And it was a big deal dinner, and I knew what it was, but they were giving me my purity ring, and they gave it to me in front of him. <laughs> oh. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, oh, that's a lot. How did he react? Was he, like, cool, or was he, like, oh, no? I just, I think that he, I mean, he was also in, he was my first boyfriend, so he was in my youth group, and he knew, um, kind of what I wanted to do um I don't think he had really made that decision for himself um you know I think he was just kind of like this is what Amy wants to do we did for like two and a half years so that was all we knew and we were kids you know (laughs) it was like 13 14 so um yeah and then I I remember this ring so specifically so it was a it was a white gold which I loved at the time. And then it had my birthstone, which is March and in the shape of a heart. And it was um, aquamarine. And if you own any aquamarine jewelry, you know how hard it is to keep the stone clean. (laughs) And I was like, this is such a beautiful metaphor. But as I got older, it frustrated me. And I stopped wearing it, I think, when I went to college because I thought it was kind of cheesy looking. (laughs) But um, yeah, that... That ring in particular was just such a defining moment and it cracks me up that my parents did it and that I was so serious about it um, and that they give it to me in front of him. (laughs) (laughs) When you were dating these people throughout your life, was your Mm -hmm. um, involvement in the church, did they preach like you date to marry? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And every, every guy that I dated, I just assumed 
we would end up getting married. Um, which created a lot of anxiety and a lot of relationship anxiety um, and caused also a lot of settling. Because when you make up your mind at like 16 years old that this is the person you're going to marry, you aren't always looking for the reasons why you shouldn't be with that person. You're already in the mindset of, I'm committed to this person. So all these kind of, you know, red flags <laughs> are, are uh, something that is now my responsibility to work through with them. When you're 16, you should be dating people. You should be making mistakes and, and you know, doing what 16-year-olds do. You shouldn't be thinking about how you're going to live the rest of your life with this one person. And there are people who've gotten married very, very young, and there's no judgment, and it works out great for them. Um, but it, that's a lot of pressure to put on someone. Right. That, and I... I do feel like that's what purity culture did was like, mm -hmm. you, you're only dating to marry. So you've got kids who are like, well, guess this is it for me. And they're like, yeah. like you said, 15 or 16. And it's like, whoa, it's a lot of responsibility, a lot of unnecessary pressure at such mm -hmm. a young age. Yeah. Yep. It really did. And I think another big key factor in what purity culture did is it you know, it put prohibition on so many different things and so many different types of relationships. So you either went one of two ways. You either went the way of like, you know, you ended up quote unquote slipping up and then you became sexually active as a teenager, um, which now I <laughs> kind of celebrate <laughs> because <laughs> of my experience. Um, or you go in the direction of like you actually follow through with all of these things and you know you you can think about it individually in your own church and your own experience but for me I was the only one who held out to my knowledge in my youth group um and that was it was weird that must have been really <laughs> for difficult me. for you to see your friends slip up like you you know this is what they refer to it as while you're you know remaining not slipping up yeah yeah um I think that the issue that that kind of raises within teenagers is that you are choosing not to educate yourself and I think that's the, kind of the biggest point you're choosing not to educate yourself on sex in general on relationships on standing your own ground on boundaries that's a huge thing so just out of pure naivete like you are people are crossing your boundaries and you don't even know it's happening because you're just like in the moment and you don't know what to look for um and I was very fortunate to still be relatively safe um, throughout, you know, all my relationships, because I had people who I think genuinely cared about me, but that's not the case for everyone. Right. Yeah, a lot of the times people don't, don't have that education that they need to go into a healthy relationship. Mm -hmm. And so when things happen, you just assume that's how it's supposed to be. Yeah, yeah, you genuinely do. Um the really cool part about my story 
um, well, it seems <laughs> relatively mundane, uh, is that when I did meet my husband, um, this started my whole kind of de- like the purity culture in and of itself, which was supposed to insulate you and keep you from, you know, looking outside of the church for someone to marry. Um, I ended up meeting my husband and he told me before he knew that I was quote unquote waiting, um, that this is almost a verbatim quote from him. He said, if we had sex today or in a month or after we got married, it wouldn't matter. Like, I don't see you any differently. Your worth is in who you are as a person. And I don't think God will see you any differently either. Right. Um, How comforting and very like out of the, out of left field for someone to say to you. Yeah, for sure. And this is before we had had that whole conversation. And I was like, it it shocked me, honestly. Um, And kind of started this whole, we've been together 10 years now, this 10 year journey of me kind of going, all right, let's, let's see, let's, let's put that to the test. Let's pull things apart that you've been too scared or been told not to, to look at. And so this movement that was supposed to keep me very insulated actually was the catalyst for so many different, uh, you know, spiritual journeys and, and opportunities to, to meet other people who believed other things and kind of grow within who I was as a person. So I had a lot of catching up to do. Yeah, (laughs) Um, absolutely. Even outside of like sex in general. um, It was just more so like who I was um, because it's so tied. That's the thing with purity culture. It's so tied to who you are and your worth. And that's, it has nothing to do with your worth. Absolutely. Did your husband have a background in any form of religion? (laughs) Not growing up. Uh, (laughs) He and I grew up very differently. Um, He was in the church when we met. Okay. uh, And had been, I think he was like a guest pastor um, every once in a while, like a guest speaker. Um, But then I think probably right before COVID, um, maybe a couple years before, he had started kind of picking apart a lot of the things that he was questioning and dealing with. Um, So he pulled back. And then I am a, (laughs) I'm a product of uh, volunteer, like, when you take advantage of a volunteer, I don't want to use the word abuse, but. No, we can call um, it abuse. That's fine. Yeah. Um, and uh, like these people were all wonderful and supportive, but we didn't have a ton of resources. So I ended up becoming the, um, children's pastor in my church and it was so much. And I had so few volunteers at the time that when the church eventually started having people, they, they couldn't support their staff. I was like, I have to go. (laughs) Like, I can't, I'm just completely burnt out. I don't want to go into church right now. Um, I love your kids. I've been teaching them to be amazing, wonderful, loving humans because that's that's what you need right now. 
Because you need people who love each other regardless of everything. Right. That's what's actually Um, important. Yeah. So I was like, I have not been teaching them about Noah's Ark. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, we skipped over that. Sorry. Yeah. (laughs) Do you feel like waiting until you were married is something that you're thankful you did? Do you have any sort of regret towards the decision? Uh, Am I thankful for that? I think that there are maybe some instances in my life where having that hesitation might have kept me from potential, you know, danger or whatever the case may be. But do I wish that everything had been different and that I'd been taught, um, you know, correctly in my mind how to engage in this sort of thing? Yeah. Um, (laughs) Do I I, uh, think it was worth it? No. Um, I missed out on a lot of, I think, key sort of growing experiences that you're supposed to go through. Okay. Um, and as soon as, like, the person I wanted to be with for the rest of my life told me that this decision, while he supported it, it didn't change how he felt about me at all. I was like, then why am I doing this? Because <laughs> that's, that's another aspect of it. Like, especially for females, you are doing this for your future husband. Yes. Mm-hmm. You're doing it for them. And then your husband comes and he's like, I don't need you to do this for me. <laughs> like, right. He's like, literally, I'll, it I'll, doesn't matter. Yeah. I'll support you, but I don't need it. I, oh, my God. I remember on our first date. So this is you're going to laugh at me. Um, and this maybe might be the prompt for an Instagram question. So I used to do this thing <laughs> when I would go out on like first dates um, and guys in the church loved it. I would find an opportunity where like, you know, we were both going through the same door or going upstairs or whatever. And I would like let them go first. And I would say, you lead. <laughs> oh my gosh. and I they ate it up oh yeah and I pulled that on my husband you know I'm 25 and (laughs) I'm still doing it and I did that with him we're going up the stairs to the movie like our seats in the movie theater and he like turns to me and he goes yeah I don't do that (laughs) (laughs) I was like what do you mean he was like go like you go and that was just the beginning of a relationship where someone was saying, I would like you to walk with me, not behind me. I would like you to make decisions with me, not wait for me to tell you what to do. So that That's was just so good. That's so yeah. good. I love that. I love that that happened for you. And he was like, wait a second. Mm-mm. Yeah. <laughs> but you like, you know, we're growing, yeah, you're growing up being told mm-hmm. the man leads you you fall in line everything you do is for your future spouse yeah and and like you said you know you you're thankful because there were some moments that it potentially kept you safe but you didn't realize in that moment how to be safe you just were telling people no yeah. you didn't you didn't have the knowledge and the education to understand um potentially wrong moments and how to navigate that and what to look for it was just no across the board with no education behind it. 
Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I think that that is a huge disservice. It's almost kind of, you know, people use the word puritanical, but it, it just seems like Victorian era, like to not educate women on on their bodies or on potential, you know, we we grow up in an in a, an environment where we're we're told we're safe all the time. But how often do we hear stories where that's not the case? Right. So you're not going to, you're not going to at least arm us with knowledge. Then, then we're at a loss here. Right. So. It's, a, it's a huge disadvantage um, to women in these different, you know, organizations mm-hmm. who are all teaching the same purity culture, whatever it's called now, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Is, that, is that what it's still called? I don't know. Um but regardless, and like you said, it transcended religions and denominations because we were all following the same rules. We, you know, we may have looked different. We may have thought different. But at the end of the day, we were all waiting because it was, quote unquote, worth the wait. Yeah. Yeah. That was one of the catchphrases. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. How has it affected you now that you are older and out of, you know, that environment? Do you feel like it still has any residual effect on you today? Mm, Yeah. I mean, it will always have an effect on me. Um, I think that having even a little bit of regret um, will, will hurt you. And then on top of that, I think that... Give me a second to word this. (laughs) Yeah, no, take your time. Yeah. I believe one of the foundations of purity culture is shame. And for someone who did what they were quote unquote supposed to do, there's still a a large amount of shame associated with that because now I like, and I've grown exponentially. I've been married for almost 10 years, but in those beginning stages, it was very much like a, I don't know. No one told you what you were supposed to do. Um, It was always wait, 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 say no, say no, be, be pure. Okay. You're married now. Now your body still doesn't belong to you. It now belongs to your husband. <laughs> You're like, when does it get to be mine? When do I get to have control and dominion over my body? Um, so I was lucky enough to marry someone who told me, like, you need to, you need to educate yourself. You need to seek counseling. You need to find how this has kind of changed the way you view yourself um my my kind of ending point of the purity ring story is that my husband and I were walking um there's this trail that we would walk on and it went over the water um and it's like a huge body of water that kind of went into this little inlet area and I was really struggling with how purity culture had kind of in my mind, irrevocably, like, 
screwed my brain up and my relationships up and had brought so much fear. I was still kind of in the beginning of that journey. And I told him, I was like, I brought my ring with me. He had never seen me wear it. At that point, it was something I was embarrassed of. And were you like, all just dating at this point? No, we were married. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, we were married. And he was like, okay, what What do you want to do? And I was like, I'm going to chuck this thing in the ocean. <laughs> and so, like, a little more badass than than Titanic style, I took <laughs> my, my blue heart, uh, a diamond ring, and I... I chucked it into the ocean and it felt so good. Um, something that had, you know, been such a, a token of a time in my life when I didn't feel like I had any ownership. Um, I was now taking ownership of that. And the first thing to do was to let go of that. 